This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. Arkansas season rolls on, hits the midway point on Saturday when they play Ole Miss in Oxford. 6.30 kickoff, the game will be on SEC Network. And we don't know what to expect from Arkansas from week to week anymore, uh, certainly on the field. It's been a little bit different result each week, whether it be a, a maybe a bad performance against a, a, a bad team. Maybe it's a good performance against what we thought was a good team, like it was in Death Valley a couple of weeks. And then last week, a, a poor performance against Texas A&M. But I think the book is kind of out on Texas A&M. They play a big game against Alabama this weekend, and that may go a long way to determining who wins the SEC West. Arkansas against Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming in off a big win from last week over LSU on its home field. And the Razorbacks, where I was going with, we don't know what to expect from them. They've been doing some tinkering with their offensive line this week, and we don't really know what we're going to see when they go out there for the first time on offense. We'll talk about that today here on the Whole Hog Football Podcast with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman. I'm Matt Jones. Uh, Scotty, you, you've been out at practice this week. Tell us what you've seen from an offensive line perspective. We don't know if it's going to take place this week, but it looks like there could be some shuffling in, in multiple spots. Yeah, definitely. We heard Sam Pittman talk about it Monday, and I think it was just pretty obvious. I wrote this in the keys that'll come out Thursday. I mean, it was it was pretty obvious after the A&M game that something had to change. Arkansas had to be proactive, and we've talked about that before. Um, Sam mentioned it Monday, and then Monday afternoon at practice, you know, Arkansas didn't go through fastball start. They don't do that typically on Mondays. They usually do it on Tuesday. Um, but even watching offensive line drills, like just position group drills, um, yeah, saw a bunch of movement. You had Patrick Kudis slide from right tackle to center, Brady Latham from left guard to right tackle, and Bo Lemmer uh, from center to center to guard. So um, Josh Braun, uh, he stayed at right or stayed at right guard, and Devin Manuel, Andrew Chambly were still working at left tackle. Uh, not exactly sure what's gonna what's gonna happen with the left tackle spot. Like that seems like this week, like it's still maybe the biggest question mark is Manuel's been banged up, gosh, since all through camp, um, you know, with a concussion and I think an ankle problem, maybe a stinger. Um, so, yeah, there's been some shuffling going on. We'll obviously have to see, have to wait and see, you know, if, if these changes uh, work out in game. But um, I think something had to change. And I think, you know, Sam said that he's pretty comfortable with Kudis playing center. Kudis wanted to play center. And I think that makes a, a big that could potentially make a big difference when you've got a guy that that really really wants to play center and it, it gets Bo Limmer back to a position I think he may be um, more natural at having played it you know the last three years. Now he played right guard the previous three years. This would be a left guard. Mm-hmm. Your your point holds, but it is a different position than he played yeah. the the previous three years. But we talked about this earlier this year that it just doesn't seem like the center position is going the way they thought it would for him. And and I think he's gotten more comfortable at center but I think if you put him at guard all of a sudden now you have a player who he was all conference I think he may have even gotten an all-american uh nod at guard a year or two ago that that makes a big difference I think having that kind of player in in that position and and I I don't know that they really miss anything from him moving away to center I do think that they add something with him going to guard 
Yeah, I think so. I think so too. And you know, Cam Ball was one of the players that that talked to us on on Tuesday, and you know, he said it had been a while since obviously Limmer had, had played much guard, and so Cam said that he had to you know tighten his his chin strap a little bit, make his tight his stance a little bit tighter because you know Bo doesn't have to worry about getting the ball to KJ first; he can just fire off the line, um, which I think has been. I think Bo said in the preseason that was like the biggest difference for him is like I've got something I have to do before I can you know get fire off um, and and go at the guy that that's you know more often than not lined up straight across from him. So it's just one thing I think you have to take out of Limmer's process when it comes to pass blocking, run blocking, whether they um, ask him to pull or, or whatnot. It's just I think it's it's going to be a little bit obviously a lot more simplified for him playing playing guard I would imagine it's going to take him a little bit of getting used to being a guard again especially at a, at a position that you know he's used to playing at the other guard spot um but yeah I think this is probably in in Arkansas's offensive line's best interest I think it just gets one of their arguably their best linemen you know maybe at a more natural spot and speaking of switching sides Brady Latham played left tackle on the final possession against mm -hmm. BYU when he did not look very good this would move him over to right tackle. Don't know if that makes a difference. You do hear coaches talk a lot of times, though, about players and their dominant hands and uh, how they align them on, on each side of the offensive line based on that. Some players play better on the left side versus the right side, and it's it's kind of fascinating to see how that goes. Uh, let's talk about Ole Miss a little bit, Ethan. Uh, they're good offensively. They're not good defensively. I think that this probably is just, you know, Lane Kiffin – his old Miss team 4.0. Yeah, whenever I was doing their scouting report, I'm not going to lie, it kind of felt like I was doing the same one I had just done for LSU, just having to change some names a little bit. Um, they're, I mean, we I think we all know they have a really dynamic offense. They have, just like LSU, they have a lot of really big play playmakers, um, Jordan Watkins, Dayton Wade, um, just to name a few. Um of their receivers that are really dynamic. Um, they have a quarterback who's playing really well right now, Jackson Dart. He's a dual threat, just like Jaden Daniels was. I think they're separated by maybe 26 yards, uh, rushing yards for most among SEC quarterbacks. Um, just like LSU, though, the problem really that they're worried about their defense. I mean, um, anybody who watched that game last week, I think that I was, I mean, I was sitting there saying, oh my goodness, they just gave LSU 39 seconds. That's way too much time after watching, uh, you know, how that game had been unfolding. And they, But they came up with a big stop when they needed it. I, I feel like kind of the difference between them and LSU, though, is they have a little bit more of a pass rush than uh, LSU did. Um, I think that's going to be really important this week. Talking about Arkansas's offensive line is they got to keep K.J. Jefferson up. I think uh, Ole Miss is third in the SEC um, they're tied with Alabama, third with uh, sacks. They have um, – I have to look real quick. I think they have 17 sacks this year. They do, um, which is tied for Alabama's third most. So they're getting to the quarterback, but they are susceptible to the big play threat. So you just wonder how Arkansas's offensive line is going to respond after that game last week and with all the shuffling they're doing because, um, like I think you mentioned in the intro, if this can turn into a shootout, you – honestly kind of like Arkansas's chances um it's been just such a wacky series that you wonder if um if you know in a shootout you can have a bounce or two go your way you maybe get a few turnovers defensively um 
and see where you go from there. But Ole Miss is really good. Um, they definitely still have a shot to, you know, the West is still up for grabs. If Alabama drops a game um, and things come down to a three-way tie or something, you know, a 14-point loss to Alabama um, isn't the worst thing in the world. So pretty good team that Arkansas is playing this weekend. They're going to be playing in a – I think it's a stripe out they're doing down there. Uh, so it should be a pretty uh, tough atmosphere as well. I just wonder how – well, Ole Miss can keep its intensity from last week. You, you know, I was listening to somebody talk about Notre Dame football this week, and they were talking about how Notre Dame, every year they are the or, – or every game, it's the other team's biggest game of the year most of the time. And so how Notre Dame has to, to spend a lot of emotional capital from week to week to week, and it can be hard to keep a team up like that. And it got me thinking about Ole Miss and them playing LSU last week. I mean – we all watched that game. It was an incredible environment. Ole Miss had to really dig deep to come back and win in that game. They got up big. I think they were up by 14 in the first half. They get behind. They come back from a nine-point deficit in the fourth quarter to win it. You know, We saw what happened from a, a crowd perspective. It was a rowdy crowd. They rushed the field after the game. They threw trash on the field when they didn't like the result of a replay review. Uh, they got two separate fines this week of $175,000. The SEC uh, basically said in a statement yesterday that we could take your alcohol sales away, but we're not going to do it as of right now. You know, kind of firing a, a warning shot across the bow. And I say all that to say this. I wonder if Ole Miss can keep that intensity level for two weeks in a row. And you get Arkansas going in there who's hungry. You know, obviously they didn't play well last week. They've lost three straight games. It just feels like this has got the uh, maybe the recipe for I don't know if an upset is the right word. I don't know if Arkansas is going to win the game, but it's got the the recipe for Arkansas going in there and playing maybe a much closer, more competitive game than people would think from the outside looking in. I'll say this real quick. I don't think if if Ole Miss got its alcohol sales taken away, there's no way they're keeping booze out of the stadium. Still, <laughs> there's not not a chance. Not a chance in the world. You just see a bunch of empty little fireball shot bottles scattered around the stadium like there's not already. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. And I, I I know that I know you wrote that in the keys and it made me think when I was reading over that Eric Musselman saying maybe a couple of years ago, you know, throughout a college season, you feel like your team, you can have them emotionally up, energized, ready to roll, you know, probably. 85 to 90 percent of the time but there's going to be inevitably a couple of games where you're just flat mm -hmm. um i think the same apply i mean it applies probably in all sports i mean i think that it's just probably human nature um for players i mean there's no doubt in my mind the fans are going to be pretty rowdy like it's another night game and it's the probability for a a, a absolutely nuts game is, is pretty high. So the fans are going to be rowdy, ready to go, I'm sure. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that Ole Miss's players are. Like, I'm sure mm -hmm. they're going to be excited to play a night game too. But um, I think those are, you know, two different things, obviously, with the, the team and the fans. But I think you're right. And I think Arkansas at this point understands that their back is, like, literally pressed so far, like, so tightly against the wall um, I think they're going to maybe try to, I think they're going to come out with a little bit of urgency. I think you'll, I think you'll see that um, what that translates to on the field. We'll see, but um, yeah, that was, 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I just, yeah, spending a lot of emotional capital, especially the last two weeks. I mean, you go to Alabama and you're kind of mm-hmm. in that game for a while. And then, and then last week, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a lot of emotional capital the, the last two weeks. And then um, got to do it again. That's just kind of the, the beast that this league is. And the effort has not been lacking for Arkansas. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they, they played BYU tight, played LSU really well a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned the other day, I think that LSU is not nearly as good as we thought they were uh, in, in light of their trip to Oxford. They even played A&M tight. I mean, it ended up being kind of a blowout at the end, but that game didn't really turn until there were a couple of non-offensive touchdowns late in the third quarter into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, it was a it was a pretty tight game that you felt was still kind of in doubt, probably about midway into the fourth quarter. And so I feel like they're going to get good effort this weekend. And, but we talked about this the other day. This is where I think your leadership really comes into <clears throat> to play. And, and Pittman has talked about he likes the leadership of this team. Um, but you got you to gotta be able to hold it together because I heard someone talking about this the other day. I, I can't remember who it was. But basically it's you know whatever is being said outside the locker room about a team, you can bet that it's being said inside the locker room too. As much as you want to say – you know, we block out the outside noise, this, that, and the other. Uh, you don't. You, you try the best you can, but you don't. And, you know, so some of that doubt starts to creep into the locker room, too. And I feel like this is going to be a really big week for Arkansas's, you know, leadership to step up and, you know, kind of keep the team together, keep them fighting, because it would be easy for uh, this season to go off the rails, especially with the stretch of games that they're in. I thought it was interesting listening to Houston Nutt at our Hogs Illustrated Sports Club this week talk about when you're going through tough times that he likes to get a team on the road. And I started thinking about uh, like the baseball team a couple of years ago. You know, they were going through some tough stuff. They get on the road. They go to Stillwater. They win a regional. They go to Chapel Hill. They win a super regional. And all of a sudden, they're a win away from playing for a national championship. Uh, Certainly not mistaking this for, for what the baseball team did a couple of years ago. But the point being that that Houston was talking about is you get them on the road, you get them kind of out of their comfort zone, you get them in a hotel, kind of lock them in there. And, you know, sometimes it, it it's a real unifying deal for a team. And, you know, I was looking at, at Nuts, Arkansas tenure, he had three losing streaks of at least three games in on the road when they went to Mississippi State in 2000, when they beat Kentucky in seven overtimes in 03, and then they beat Ole Miss in 2005 after – they had made a change in starting quarterback and, and and brought Casey Dick in at the end of his freshman season. So I know there's some other instances where Arkansas has ended long losing streaks on the road. Something kind of interesting to look at this week. I, I just think that sometimes when you're able to get away from home and get away from the noise that it can, can help you play better. And maybe that happens this weekend in Oxford. I think you have to definitely be encouraged I mean, with that train of thought from what Arkansas did at LSU, like maybe we're not thinking LSU is the same team that um, that maybe we thought they were going into the year, but that stadium and that environment was just every bit of what you'd expect it would be. I mean, it was loud in there. I know that Arkansas, um, it caused a lot of penalties, but at the end of the day, you almost, you almost went there and shocked them. I think that already having that experience on the road playing at LSU, like Ole Miss might be rowdy, but it's not going to be as rowdy as Tiger Stadium at night. Yeah. Um, I just think that having that experience helps. And like you said, whenever you've been punched down a little bit, it's like um, maybe on the road you have a little bit less distraction um, as far as it's just kind of you're going out there to try and prove something and not having to worry about, you know, I'm 
the last home game against BYU, I heard portions of the game where the home crowd was booing on some stuff. And I don't know, <laughs> maybe uh, just being on the road and not really having to deal with the, sometimes I think it might be the home side noise that really can distract you the most. Yeah, you got to look at the last two years uh, in relation to it being a different offense coordinator, Kendall Bryles being at Arkansas. Now you've got Dan Enos in. Um, but Arkansas had a lot of offensive success against Kiffin's teams. K.J. Jefferson has had a lot of success against Ole Miss in particular. He went down there two years ago, had what I think might have been his best game as a Razorback when he had uh, over 400 all-purpose yards, six touchdowns, threw for three, ran for three, obviously let him on the drive at the end of the game where uh, they they could have won, but they didn't convert a, a two-pointer with no time on the clock. Uh, it's home for him in Oxford. He grew up from the Ole Miss campus like 30 miles. It'd be the equivalent of like a, a quarterback from, I don't know, Bentonville came back and, and played at the U of A. Uh, that's how close his hometown was to the Ole Miss campus. And you know that's going to be a big game for him. He's going to have a lot of family in attendance. Uh, it feels to me like Arkansas is going to have a lot of offensive success in this game. You know, KJ is going to be playing at a high level. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss is very good defensively. And so one of the big keys to me, and we didn't even get into this to our keys that we wrote on the website, but we'll talk about it here, is Arkansas getting a stop. They don't get stops defensively here the last couple of games. I mean, think about LSU. Uh, they scored the last six possessions. The one before that was an interception against Texas A&M. Uh, they scored their first, what, three possessions or maybe three of their first four. There was a missed field goal in there. Uh, Arkansas stops in the second half with one exception were due to turnovers or turnovers on downs. If you count that last play where A&M tried to score from the one yard line, where I'm going with this is that Arkansas is not forcing a lot of punts. It's real feast or famine type deal for them. They're even having to force a fumble, intercept a ball, or they're giving up points. Or maybe you're, you know, in the, the, the A&M example, you, you, you get a missed field goal or two in there. Uh, they've got to do a better job of getting off the field on third down because it's just been a really poor job the last two weeks. And I feel if they can get, again, when I think Arkansas's offense is going to maybe be rolling this weekend, if they could get maybe two, three stops on a third down, uh, it, it could be a big key in a game like this. Yeah, it absolutely could. It felt like last week when Arkansas forced i guess i can't i guess you can't really miss a forced field goal on this or a force a missed <laughs> field goal missed unless field you goal. block yeah. it but it felt like arkansas you know it felt like they got a shot in the arm and they got off the field mm -hmm. like the defense got off the field without giving up points um i mentioned it on tuesday like the stops are just few and far between and it's troubling honestly um especially when you're going into a game like this where old miss is just almost about as explosive as they come i think they're like top 10 nationally and 10 plus yard plays and top you know they're they're right at the top as you know one of the more explosive offenses in the country everybody knows that but um yeah i think arkansas is obviously they've got to limit the explosives and that's just that's in the pass game and the run game and i just looked up the other day like um or I guess it was earlier today, Arkansas has given up more rushing yards each season to Ole Miss each of the last seven years. And you've got like to more, limit. So like more rushing yards in 2022 than they gave up in 2021, right? Every right. year it's increased. Yeah, exactly. And God, Arkansas better hope that they don't give up more than 463 <laughs> than they, like they did last year to 200 yard rushers is just absolutely insane on the same team. But 
yeah, the explosive thing, the explosive plays that goes both ways, like with Arkansas needing um, some explosives. Like they just, I've been a little bit disappointed with the lack of big plays. Um, uh, honestly, it's just, it, it feels like if Arkansas gets like a six or a seven yard carry, like you're just like, man, this look at them go, you know what <laughs> I mean? Mm. Um, and then the, the, the pass game is, kind of similar like i looked at a site called sec stack had it, it you should check it out it's got a lot of good numbers and they're dedicated to uh, sec football analysis and kj's explosive pass play rate is like 10.4 percent which is basically half of what jackson darts is mm-hmm. um that's just not that's just that doesn't seem like kj to me at all like he's so good with the deep ball but it seems like this year they're throwing fewer of them um for some reason Last last week, I know that he hit Andrew Armstrong for a touchdown and could have had another one earlier in the game. Um, but yeah, I think you got to do you got to get a guy like Tyrone Broden involved, like tall guy can really run kind of like he did at LSU. Uh, gave him a shot in the arm then. Um, but defensively, yeah, Arkansas has got to they've got to limit like you wrote, Matt, like the 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 explosive plays have to be as close to zero as possible. Um, but that's just I mean, that's just kind of the nature of this series. I wrote in my column for the magazine this week. There's been 12 50-plus yard touchdowns um, in this series and over the last decade. So expect to see a bunch of big plays. Um, Ole Miss is kind of known for that. We'll see if Arkansas can maybe get on track with that. And I think maybe having Rocket closer to 100% this week, that might help with the run game. Yeah, Scotty, I think that we looked over at each other during the Texas A&M game on the first Andrew Armstrong drop touchdown in the end zone. I think it was a drop. It might have been tipped, but it looked like a drop to us. Um and I think we looked over and like, we just aren't used to seeing that this year, just even taking those type of shots. And I think that this is the type of game against a Ole Miss pass defense that's 13th in the league um, in uh, passing yards allowed per game. They give up just shy of 300. This might be the type of game. I think that you take some more deep shots. I just think Arkansas's offense has almost gotten just so vanilla that you I just think you have to change up some things with maybe taking a shot every now and then. Um, Ole Miss certainly is going to do it on their side. And if you're settling for three and outs uh, while Ole Miss is doing what LSU did in the second half against Arkansas and getting just chunk yards and touchdowns, I just think it could be a really long day for Arkansas. Some people may listen to us and think and think we're crazy, thinking that Arkansas is going to have a big offensive game after the performance they just had against Texas A&M. I think part of it is just you know bounce-back ability from – you know, being so bad last week offensively, but I think it, it really speaks to maybe the lack of respect maybe that we have for Ole Miss's defense. I, I just don't see a, a real strong defense there that's going to to hold Arkansas in check. And on the flip side, like Scotty said, you know, the, the big plays both or work both ways. Pittman said this week, hey, we know Ole Miss is going to have big explosive chunk plays this week. You can't stop it. The key is to maybe keep it at three or five as opposed to 12. And I think another big key that we've seen in Arkansas and Ole Miss games in the last couple of years is if they pop a run from the, from their own 20, don't let it go 80 tackle them, you know, after 30 and keep that, you know, make them have to work for those scores. They've just had way too many big plays. I mean, I think about the 21 game, it it seemed like they probably had three or four 50 plus yard touchdown runs in that game last year, they had some some big runs up in, in Fayetteville. And so I think, you know, being able to get them down on the ground, even if they get 30, 40 yards on a play, is going to be key to this game. Uh, you just you can't be giving up those those long 60, 70 type yard touchdowns 
like we've seen in the Arkansas Ole Miss games uh, in, in past years. And then, you know, for Arkansas, one more key, they went to Baton Rouge and played really well offensively two weeks ago. That was without Luke or that was with Luke has, they don't have him now. And how does that affect them from a passing standpoint? Scotty, like you said, they're going to need more production out of their wide receivers. Cause I don't think they got another tight end on the roster. Who's going to be able to give you Luke has type numbers. I don't think so either. I think there's guys that are capable of being playmakers for you, but we just like we're going into week six and guys outside of Luke has have one grab for two yards. And that that came after Luke went out of the game last week. I think Varkis Gums is maybe the most likely option to see his snap count increase. Um, And I would not be surprised if we see Tyrus Washington get warmed up a little bit. I just think he is too big of a body, too athletic of a body to just like, just have him real comfortable on the sideline. Like it's, you're at the point where you're kind of, you're searching for a spark on offense. Maybe he can give it to you. Don't know. We haven't really seen him play since the Liberty Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see multiple guys play. You know, I think Sam and that, and Morgan Turner, they count on, Nathan backs a lot in in the in pass protection and run blocking and stuff like that and uh, maybe you see some some more Francis Sherman but I don't think those guys give you maybe the offensive pop that that you feel like you need to maybe you know stand a chance in a game like this. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King Design Display Signage KendallKing.com. That's K E N D A L K I N G dot com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go hogs! Not a great week of SEC games this week. We mentioned Alabama goes to Texas A&M. That's probably the SEC game of the week. We'll get into that prediction time now. There are three SEC teams off this week. There's a non-conference game. Western Michigan goes to Mississippi State. If you're interested in that, I'm sorry. But it's uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday morning on SEC Network. If you're interested, we'll talk about the SEC games, though, as we get into picking them. the One of the big games of the week, maybe a little bit of a, an undervalued game because Missouri is still undefeated. I don't know how this is happening, but they host LSU on Saturday in Columbia. Tigers of LSU actually rank beneath the Tigers of Mizzou. LSU number 23, Missouri number 21. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. Scotty. Yeah, I think this might be the week that Missouri maybe has its bubble burst a little bit like I know going to Vanderbilt last week that can kind of be a, a sneaky road game where you kind of got to I know Houston Nutt said this on on Wednesday it's like Vanderbilt's one of the toughest places to play because you, you just got to bring all the energy yourself um mm-hmm. I just think LSU's I think they're I think they're they've got too much offensive firepower uh, I saw an email this morning that Brian Thomas has been added to the Bolitnikoff uh, watch list so they've get, now got two guys on that list with Malik neighbors. I just think they're, they're too, too talented on offense. Yeah. 
I'm going to go the opposite route and pick Missouri. I just am not bought in on LSU at all. And I think that Missouri might have a little bit better defense than even Arkansas and Ole Miss. Um, so I just think with that being at home for Missouri and Luther Burden being as talented as he is, I think it'll actually be probably a pretty, t- like kind of similar to Ole Miss type of environment, just maybe a little less booze at Missouri. But I mean, I think they'll have it probably pretty packed <laughs> out, even though it's not a huge stadium and make some noise. I just, I don't know. I'm not bought in on LSU. This is more me picking based on me not being sold on LSU than me being sold yet on Missouri. That's a low bar, a better defense than Arkansas and Ole Miss. Yeah, not saying too much, (laughs) but, you know, I think that maybe they can limit those explosive plays a little bit better. Brady Cook has been really good for Missouri, uh, their quarterback, and, and he goes against an LSU defense that has not been very good. I think LSU will bounce back from the game against Ole Miss. I, I think they'll play better. I don't know how many undefeated teams are out there. I would venture to say that of the undefeated teams that are left, Missouri probably has the like the the least impressive resume. Again, I don't know that. I'd have to see what other teams. And I'm talking about Power Five teams, not teams that are playing a group of five conferences. Uh, I, I think LSU has got more talent by a lot than Missouri does. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think Jaden Daniels and that offense will go there and, and play a pretty good game and, and come out with a win. But it will be interesting. I mean, this is this is a good test for Missouri to just see how good are they really. They haven't played a team uh, nearly as talented as LSU this year. Uh, 2.30 kickoff, Alabama goes to Texas A&M. It's a CBS game at Kyle Field. You know, it's going to be rocking on Saturday. Alabama ranked number 11. I was a little surprised to see A&M still out of the poll. They're, I think they're third or fourth among teams receiving votes after they beat Arkansas last week. Uh, this feels like it's a game where the winner in Kyle Field has the leg up in the SEC West. Both of these teams still undefeated in conference play. And you look at, you know, what they have left, I mean, it, it seems like it's a, you know, don't know if it's an easy road, uh, but the, the winner's got maybe, like I said, the leg up in the division, Scotty. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up about this game. And I'm taking A&M outright and probably going to regret it because Andrew Joseph, who I'm tied with in our pick and poll, um, he probably took Alabama and he's probably going to be right. Um, and I'm going to lose my lead that way. But Alabama is just favored by a point and a half. I think the difference in the game is line play. I'm just such a believer after seeing it in person last week in A&M's front, like even their linebackers like Edger and Cooper's the real deal. Uh, Walter Nolan, um, he's just—he's a one-man wrecking crew. And then they've got a bunch of dudes that, that chip in. Um, I think there's some questions with Alabama's offensive line, um, and I'm—I'm going to give the the edge to A&M at home. I just, yeah, I'm—I'm I'm feeling pretty confident in that pick, but I'll—I'll I'll probably be be wrong at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm feeling strangely confident about picking about picking Texas A&M too, which is probably exactly where Nick Saban would want me. But I mean, I just saw enough of them last week and just got done doing the Alabama scouting report, and they're really, really struggling to um, to pass protect right now. They've allowed the eighth most sacks per game um, in the nation, and their center Seth uh, Seth McLaughlin he's uh, he's got like the worst pass blocking grade. I think among starting centers in the SEC, um, I just think A&M has too much talent up front and those linebackers are athletic and make plays. So I think that Milrose is going to have a tough day against them. And with that being on the road, I don't know. I just don't see Alabama finding much offense. 
I love Texas A&M along the offensive line or along the defensive line. I mean, uh, I think that they'll give Milrow and, and company problems. I just think Alabama is a better team. I think Alabama goes to Texas A&M and shows why they're Alabama. I, I think they're going to win that game. Vanderbilt goes to Florida. We're not going to pick that. That's bad football. It's three o'clock. If you want to watch it on the SEC network, Kentucky goes to Georgia six o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Kind of an intriguing game because Georgia has been sleepwalking through the season. It feels like in Kentucky, Coming off that big win last week over Florida, they've got Ray Davis, a running back who's really good, maybe the best in the league. Yeah, I think this is a, I don't want to say it's a sneaky good game, but I think Kentucky could give Georgia a game. Um, But I'm also of the mind that Kirby Smart got his guys' attention, grabbed them collectively, I guess, by the face mask and was like, man, we got, we got to, we have to be better than this. Um, Just beating Auburn on the road. No, winning at Auburn's tough, but winning just beating that team by seven, um, probably a little bit disappointing, I would imagine. I don't really have a pulse for Georgia, but um, yeah, I think I think Georgia wins probably at least two touchdowns. Yeah, this is one of those games that I just picked based on it. I don't see a world where Kentucky goes and wins this game. Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I just don't think this just doesn't seem like the type of game that Georgia falls. Uh, you know, at this point in the year. If it was in Lexington, I might pull the trigger on a Kentucky upset. Uh, they don't play well in Athens. Their their games there over the last several years have, have not been good showings offensively. Uh, I think Georgia wins, but I think it might be a little bit of a low-scoring game. We'll throw a curveball at you. It's not an SEC game yet, but in Dallas on Saturday, Red River, Texas, and Oklahoma, it's the way this game should always be. They're both undefeated. They're both highly ranked. How do you think this goes? Uh, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, is going to be there. How about that? That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Uh, I, I like Texas. I think I'm believing in Texas. I'm not willing to say that they're back because as soon as you say they're back, they're not. Um, that's a really, really talented team. That, I think that's going to be probably the, the best best game of the day. Uh, I do follow some Oklahoma folks on on Twitter, too, and I think Dylan Gabriel has been having a really good year, so it'll be interesting to see how – uh, if, if Texas is able to kind of neutralize him, but but I like I like Texas on a neutral field. Yeah, I do too. I think Texas is pretty good. I mean, I'm kind of already sold on this being pretty good, and to see what they did to them last week impressed me. I was telling somebody the other day, it's really weird. I don't feel like there's been this point of a season before that I just haven't watched any Oklahoma football. Um, so I don't really know how to feel about them. So I'm making this pick based on my confidence in Texas. Texas beat Oklahoma last year 49 to nothing in Dallas. It was the worst loss I think Oklahoma has ever had in this series. I think their offense is a lot better this year. They've got Jeff Levy's system really rolling now. I think Venables has got his guys in on defense. I think OU beats Texas on Saturday. I think they get revenge. They've, they've had to live with 49 nothing for 364 days. I think that they beat the Longhorns in Dallas. Okay, Arkansas Ole Miss, the Rebels are a 12-point favorite going into this game. Like we said, it's a 6.30 kickoff on SEC Network. Scotty? Yeah, I, I like Ole Miss, and I like them to cover. I just I don't have a whole lot of confidence in, in Arkansas's defense to get stops, and I don't think Jackson Dart's going to do the Max Johnson thing where he, he fumbles it and then throws a, a pick straight to Arkansas's nickelback. I just, I just don't see it. I think they're too good in the passing game. And then I think that run game might wear Arkansas down in the end. Yeah, I'm with you. I just, I, I see Ole Miss winning this game based on their pass rush. I just don't think that Arkansas's O line is going to hold up super well against them. 
Um, I think for Arkansas to stand a chance in this, you might have to get another one of those defensive touchdowns or Satania return a punt for a touchdown. It's almost one of those I feel like to outscore this team, you're going to have to get points in some really creative ways. So I, I think Ole Miss wins this by a touchdown or two. I think the ingredients are there for Arkansas to win this game. Talked about it earlier. I, I think that there's going to be an emotional letdown potentially for Ole Miss in this game, uh, both on the field and in the stands. Maybe it's not as hostile of an environment as LSU stepped into last week. But until Arkansas proves it on the field, I just have a hard time picking them. I, I thought they'd play a lot better against Texas A&M than they did. Give A&M credit. You know, there's a there's a, a force that's working against you there on the other end, and, and A&M certainly played well. Uh, but I just I just think Arkansas has got to prove it before I feel comfortable picking them. But I think they'll go in there, and I think they'll show fight, and I think they can make this a competitive game into the fourth quarter. And you got K.J. Jefferson. Uh, if he's playing well, like I think he will in front of his home crowd uh, or his hometown crowd, a lot of them are going to be there. Uh, I think he can give Arkansas a chance to win in the fourth quarter, but they got to show it before I feel comfortable picking them. Come to wholehogsports.com this weekend for all of our coverage from Oxford. And we'll be back with another Whole Hog football podcast early next week to look at Arkansas Ole Miss and look ahead to the Arkansas-Alabama game. For Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.